Welcome to a D&D Candle Lab. D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast, with your hosts, Karen and Dan. Alright, and welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week, we are bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and scoring against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal criticism and modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Happy Halloween, everyone! Dan here! And I'm Garen, and this week we're throwing a Halloween party, and we've invited our good friends from Interparty Conflict, Gabe and Jeff. Welcome, guys! Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Now, this week, Garen and I have made Halloween-themed spooky dark character to go against you and Jeff. But before we dive into these characters and uh, have a real monster mash, why don't you guys let our listeners who may not yet be familiar with your show, let them know who you guys are and what you do on your podcast, Interparty Conflict. Our podcast is a question-and-answer-based podcast where we uh, we take listener-submitted questions about D&D and other tabletop games. And our goal is to give advice. So, you know, people ask us questions like, you know, how do I deal with a problem player? How do I get my players to role play more? What are some ideas for my character and so on and so on? And so we uh, we discuss those on the show. The way we try to do it is like, I, you know, Gabe has the more experience as a DM. So mm-hmm. he, has, he you know, approaches it with a DM perspective. And I try my best to approach it with the player's perspective. Yeah. Which is a great dynamic. And guys, if you haven't listened to Interparty Conflict before, they do have really fun discussions. I love that you guys don't get too tangential you're not trying to be too funny when it's funny it's funny you're more worried about having a good conversation and we were lucky to be guests on your guys' show we know you know your stuff and you're probably some of the nicest guys in the D podcast verse i mean everyone's on their best behavior when you're guest starring on someone else's show but we can attest you guys are the real deal <laughs> <laughs> so right, thank you. It's always a great time listening to their show. Uh, give the listeners a little taste of what you guys did this year on April Fool's Day. <laughs> okay, that's uh, some very good, uh, very good choice of words there. <laughs> so this this year we did uh, an episode of Dinner Party Conflict. Yes, instead of Interparty <laughs> Conflict, and the episode was. 100% genuine instead of being about uh, tabletop gaming questions. It was about cooking questions. Right. Yeah. We had a good time with that. Like we could actually probably do a food based probably, podcast. To like, be honest. I was <laughs> expecting to have to improvise a lot, but no, it all came supernatural yeah. and we, it was just a legitimate good episode. <laughs> yeah, like, so guys be on the lookout for dinner party conflict yeah. coming to iTunes soon. There you go. Um, <laughs> in all uh, seriousness, if, if you want to get in on the conflict, Become part of, the, part of the party and subscribe to Interparty Conflict on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is a must-have in your D&D podcast collection. Thank you. Absolutely. And now, without further ado, boys, would you like to introduce us to your character that you have brought for this Halloween lab? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think we would. Yeah. We are going to introduce to you, gentlemen, our character, Bet Sanderson, 300 oh. years ago. Oh, <laughs> 300 years ago, the Sanderson sisters were three powerful witches who failed in an attempt to steal the life force of the children across the countryside. Before being hanged for their crimes, however, the sisters pooled their magical resources to trigger a ritual that would resurrect them when certain conditions were met. 300 years later, on the night of the Harvest Festival, some stupid kids accidentally finished the ritual, but for unknown reasons, only the eldest sister, Bet, was brought back. Using spells granted to her by the devil himself, 
a magical book crafted of flesh and with its own sentience and her innate charisma, Bette Sanderson seeks to capture the souls of children once more. <laughs> Bette Sanderson is a level six necromancy wizard, level six college of glamour bard. Ooh. Very appropriate. Well done. <laughs> that was uh, Jeff's idea. That was uh, my, actually my fiance's idea. I was uh, like, we were driving in the car. I'm like, I'm trying to come up with uh, different ideas. And she's like, why don't you just do hocus pocus? So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <"Yep." laughs> we had a, a couple other ideas, but we'll, we'll maybe talk about those at the end of the episode. Looking forward to it. This week, Garen and I have made Ogamir. You're a regular listener of the show. You can, you'll probably be able to tell who made this character mostly. <laughs> um, so a half, a half Orog which is actually a variant of the orcs, the Underdark orcs. Uh, Ogamir was a part of a band of outcasts of the Underdark that dated back millennia. No one knew much of these outcasts, and it was forbidden to talk about them. However, the rumors had it that these completely naked half-orcs, who commonly huddled in the darkest corners of the Underdark, were able to conjure up some of the most haunting aberrations known and unknown. They were also rumored to practice dark, powerful psychic magic and could powerfully control their enemies from afar. Praying to the dark god Afumja, these mysterious half-orcs are also rumored to be able to harness the powers of the infamous Cold Flame of Death. Do not let their quiet demeanor mislead you. These half-orogs are loyal to one another to a fault, as they are rarely seen alone, and Ogamir is no exception. Today, the lab boys are going to do the Underdark equivalent of screaming Voldemort's name and expose the raw power that is this <laughs> band of dark wizards, the half-orogs. Let me introduce you to Ogamir, half-orc, level 12 wizard of the school of the pseudo-natural, cultist background, and all of this is featured in the Lovecraft Handbook by our friends over at Mage Hand Press. Mm, there you go. Cool. Oh, now, man. I get a lot of crap for making weird characters, but I want to go on record that it was Dan's idea to make a character that's always naked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy is stark naked yeah. all the time. All the time. In his green <laughs> glory. Now, is it, this, this, this variant of orc is a more like a grayish blue. My that kind of right. makes it creepier. <laughs> so before we get into the nitty gritty with our melee category, we should light up a jack-o'-lantern. What do you say? Yeah, Garen, that was given to us by some shady sorcerer downtown. I heard that thing is a mid- I'm what better candle to light this bad boy than the Scarborough <laughs> Fair candle by Cantrip Candles. They're purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world, musty taverns, libraries full of arcane texts, or, as we just lit up, Scarborough Fair. Nothing immerses you into an autumnal fantasy quite like this candle with spicy notes of parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Not going to sing it. But, to be honest, you can find a scent for any of your adventure settings with their sampler pack, which offer nine of their scents for a total steal. Once you decide you want to buy every single one of their scents, we are happy to announce you now can, and the lab will help cover some of the costs. When you use the code LABRAT, L-A-B-R-A-T, all one word, at checkout, you receive 10% off your total purchase. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles. If you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. Well, thank you, Garen and Cantrip Candles, for that message. Now, gentlemen, we will yes. now give you the floor to tell us how your character does in the melee damage category this week. So for melee damage, well, Bet herself is not, uh, is not very strong. She has a 9 in strength, 10 in dexterity. She does, however, wield a club, which is the spoon where she's, which she uses to stir her cauldron. There you go. It counts as a light weapon. So, uh, or, oh, is it only finesse that can use 
dexterity or can oh it... shoot you're right oh dang okay it. well so her weapon well. is not great <laughs> so <laughs> change, change that modifier a little bit yeah yeah so her weapon not great still has one whatever <laughs> but where she does shine a bit is uh she has through necroman- necromancy she mm-hmm. has her undead thralls she does in with one casting of animate dead as long as there are corpse or bones you know lying about she can have up to eight you know zombies or or skeletons at her beck and call Mm -hmm. all of which are able to use what weapons that are lying around or you know just smack them with their you know unarmed strike smack them with uh, their unarmed strike or her she could hand the spoon off to one of them it would probably be a bit more (laughs) more effective effective in their hands that's called an undead spoon smack for the listeners (laughs) yes she also has many ways to charm other creatures she does we'll get to that a little bit later yes with all the zombies and all the charm people we feel like she deserves a uh, plus one in this category yeah God, I don't know about that. I was leaning more towards a zero, Garen. What are you thinking? Well, yeah, they admitted themselves that the spoon is not as awesome as they first anticipated. (laughs) And I think it serves to mention that if their zombies encounter any plucky teenagers, they might switch sides and join the teenagers against Bet. We've seen that in the past. (laughs) Maybe. That's that's only if she raises the the bodies of her ex-boyfriends, which, sure, there's not many of those. All right, so she doesn't have as much of a love life as past iterations that's sure funny. sure <laughs> yeah in, the, in, so, the, in this version her her sisters aren't aren't alive to hold her back anymore oh there, there you go exactly you guys are saying i'm plus zero i'm okay with that especially with the i guess it's only a difference of one damage but uh that that spoon isn't going to be it's not going to be breaking any skulls anytime soon so <laughs> so i'm gonna argue a plus one here ogamir has a familiar which is a quasit has two attacks must use a different attack option for each attack though and the attacks that it can pick from are the stinger attack which deals out 1d8 piercing damage and then the target has to succeed on a constitution saving throw or become poisoned for an hour and if that saving throw fails by five or more the target falls unconscious for the same duration or until it takes damage or another creature uses an action to shake it so pretty cool feature there also a claw attack which deals out it's a plus four to hit and deals out 1d4 plus three piercing damage plus 2d4 poison damage the target must succeed on a saving throw a constitution saving throw or be poisoned for a minute the target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns ending the effect on itself in a success and then of course ogamir has the savage attacks racial feature of the half orc which when you score a critical hit with a melee weapon attack you can roll one of the weapons damage dice and one additional time to add it to the extra damage on a critical hit and that weapon that he's got is a measly quarter staff which deals out 1d6 plus 2 bludgeoning damage with a plus 6 to hit i think we deserve though a plus 1 because that familiar is nothing to mess with hmm what's stronger one familiar or eight zombies yeah, that's a good question mm. um <laughs> it's a difference of of a quarter staff versus a spoon <laughs> It seems both of us are pretty pretty much relying on uh, minions to do our bidding. That is true. I would argue you guys are also a zero. I agree with Gabe. I think I shot myself in the foot by talking <laughs> some crap. Yeah, I, I think I think a, a zero's fair. What if, <laughs> if I told you because he's naked, the quarterstaff is reskinned as something else? Oh, oh no. no. Uh, Res- I don't think reskinned is two. a good word to use for that. <laughs> But guys, he's not fully aroused. He's only quarter staff. Oh, oh no. Oh, get All out. Right. Get out of your, uh. your podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll take a zero. And then, Garen, why don't you take us into ranged? I think we deserve a minus one on ranged because the familiar can make attacks and he's at range from Ogamer. <laughs> 
So what is her name? Ogamir. 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 So how much of that goes off of an actual ranged attack, though? Well, the Quasit isn't technically making a ranged attack, mm-hmm. but it's all based around what your definition of ranged attack is. If it's oh. Ogamir making an attack at range, if the Quasit I... flies thirty feet away, that's a thirty-foot ranged attack. I'll give you a little bit of credit on this one because if we had gone with one of our other character concepts, I would have made this exact same argument. However, I'm going to argue that's more of minus two territory sure. because, you know, you're n- there's no ranged weapon being used. Yeah, like fifth edition is very, very specific on what, what a ranged weapon is, what a ranged weapon attack is. There are specifics there. So like you can... But the D&D character lab is notoriously vague. <laughs> That's sure. okay. Well, we're I'll... international waters over here, guys. <laughs> I'm just going to say you guys are probably going to regret this uh, character lab battle against a couple of rules lawyers here. But I'm actually I'm going to say, yeah, go ahead and take that minus one. That that actually sounds like a threat, Garen. So... <laughs> is it a threat, so... though? Is it or is it a promise? <laughs> so, Gabe and Jeff, what do you guys have for ranged? Before I say what we have arranged. I'm going to call back to, there was a very monumental court case of Ogamir versus Bet Sanderson, <laughs> where in that case, Ogamir was given a minus one because Ogamir's familiar had a melee attack that he used technically, quote unquote, at range, using the, the technical terms here. While Bet Sanderson has multiple minions, some of which could actually be using ranged weapons so that is overruled counselor <laughs> overruled <laughs> so i'm gonna argue a zero for yeah. us i was gonna say a negative one but i think ours is a bit better than yours they're turning this show on its head <laughs> yup sounds good to me sounds all right. good <laughs> all right zero for us then. that sounds like we could have argued a plus one maybe i i think i think we got some more good stuff so don't okay. don't you all worry right, all right all right why don't you gentlemen take us right into the burninating category, which is the magic damage that Bet Sanderson brings? Oh Sanderson? gosh, Sanderson, yes. Yeah, yeah. We yes. wanted to, if we figured the uh, Sanderson name was the most iconic part of it. Yeah. Well, not for so... Dan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, Bet Sanderson has has is a pretty decent arsenal of spells. I mean, good, she, good word there. <laughs> she is effectively a twelfth level caster, so she has many spell slots in which to cast them. Mm-hmm. So if if anyone remembers their hocus pocus. She uses a uh, sort of like a forced lightning attack, so I kind of themed it on that a little bit. So she has lightning lure, shocking grasp, and witch bolt. Lightning lure has like a pull effect. It's mm-hmm. like thorn whip, only it's lightning. Lightning, yeah. Witch bolt is very nice. It's a, it's a first level spell. It's sustained damage. Like if they make, if she makes the first attack, just keep spending another action every round to just automatically, automatically deal more damage. Do more damage. Um, yeah, we are huge. We are huge fans of witch bolt here in the lab. That's for sure. Yeah, nice and, spell. Yeah, and of course, witch bolt goes with the yeah, theme. There you, you know, go. Very nice there. Also, fireball. Now, all wizards of that level should have fireball of because course. fireball is an amazing <laughs> spell. I, I also watched through all of Hocus Pocus several several times over over the course of making this. <laughs> he character. was fast forwarding and rewinding and yeah. pausing, and pausing, and enhancing, drawing diagrams. Yes. There is a point at which she creates a very large explosion. So I like I argue, okay, okay, that is canon that she has this fireball. So mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, so she has fireball, scorching ray, shatter, thunder wave, thunder step. Toll of the Dead, which is a very nice uh, necromancy cantrip. Mm-hmm. Ray of Sickness, 
and also vampiric touch. Mm -hmm. She has up to six level casting slots. Yes. So she could enhance, you know, fireball so that it deals 11d6 instead of uh, 8d6. So So lots, lots of high level, higher level spell slots. So are you thinking a, a zero on this one? <laughs> <laughs> We're giving this one a plus two. Uh, we are. I think we are arguing a plus two on this Just one. Just as a full caster, I think that's that's mostly going to be the, the case. Yeah. Well, I'm going to buck this plus two, and I'm going to hit you with our argument, and then we'll decipher from there who, who gets what. Okay. So we've got Chill Touch, which uh, at 12th level is dealing out 3d8. Frostbite's 3d6. Infestation, 3d6. Toll the Dead deals out 3d12. Cone of Cold deals out 8d8. And Erupting Earth deals out 3d12. And then we have some spells that were featured in this supplement. One of them is a first level conjuration called Heedless Lash. You conjure forth a glowing white tendril, and it lashes out at a foe but also racks you with some pain. So you make a ranged spell attack against a creature, and if you hit, that creature takes 48 necrotic damage, but then in turn, you also take 1d8 necrotic damage when you cast the spell. And at Mm. higher levels, for every level that you go up, the damage output increases by 2d8, but the damage to yourself also increases by 1d8. So I really like the theming on that Mm. spell. Mm -hmm. We also have one called Yellow Sign, which is a third level evocation spell. It allows you to trace in the air an insidious symbol, and it's called the Yellow Sign, where it hangs for a long moment in a sickening yellow light. Each creature that you choose within 30 Mm. feet of the sign must make a wisdom saving throw, and on a failed save, they take 66 psychic damage or half as much on a successful save. And then, of course, at higher levels, you can increase the damage. We also have another one called Oblivion, which allows you to open an instantaneous portal into another realm, allowing dead mists to wreak havoc. Each creature within a 40-foot radius around you, including yourself, must make a deck saving throw, and on a failed save, a target takes 68 necrotic and 68 bludgeoning damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful one. We are very profoundly (laughs) and adamantly asking for a plus two. Wow. Mm. I can definitely agree that that is a plus two. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a case where you're a straight caster, where we are six levels of one caster, six levels of another caster. I think that is biting us a little bit. I would say this is probably, you guys are a plus two, and I think we're probably a plus one mm. comparatively. Mm. Jeff, do you feel mm. otherwise? <laughs> Relative to the books used... We are still a plus two, I argue. Do you argue? Mm-hmm. But relative to being able to smack that ass real hard, <laughs> you guys are a plus one because we are dishing out the pain on this. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, but further argument. In the same way that you argue that uh, minion using mm. melee spells or using melee attacks counts as ranged, I also argue that a minion raised by a spell doing, me- doing melee or ranged attack is also spell damage. Yeah, but we all uh, got credit for the minions so already. Yeah, the minions <laughs> got to go to bed now. <laughs> Your zombies go night night. Uh, Jeff, I appreciate. I definitely appreciate the effort. I'm gonna say that's a little bit of a stretch. Sure. So, so, uh, how do you guys feel about you guys? Get plus two, we get plus one. We love yes. it. We still got some stuff, don't okay. you? Worry. All right, all right, all right. So let's take it into control. I will take the charge on this one. We are also arguing a plus two here. A feature of our class is a madness die, which we can use to add a d6 to any saving throw. That's pretty controlling. We also have the spells Confusion, Feign Death, Sea Invisibility, and Minor Illusion, as well as some more new fancy spells you're going to like. Intrusive Thought, a second level transmutation. It's a reaction when a creature you see takes the attack, dash, dodge, or disengage action. 
You can attempt to distort its thinking. The creature must succeed on a wisdom save. If they fail, you get to decide one of those other four options for them to take instead. That's very fun. That is fun. We also have a spell called Frenzy. This has a range of 120 feet. You can concentrate up for one minute. Choose a point. Each creature within 20 feet of that point must succeed on a wisdom save. On fail, the creature is frenzied. If they have a melee weapon, they draw it. If they do not, they make improvised attacks or unarmed strikes, and they all start attacking the nearest creature to it. At the end of its turn, a frenzied creature can repeat the saving throw, but you are just basically creating mass havoc in that moment. We also have a feature of our background, the cultist. This is Madman's Knowledge. You have been touched, however, slightly by the wisdom of the great old ones. Your education in eldritch knowledge might erode your sanity, but you are well-informed in cults and faiths. You know signs of other cultists to identify themselves and communicate. You also know the names and titles of great old ones. You're familiar with rituals and practices in these cults. This is obviously very slight, but it could be very helpful in um, the problem-solving world of control category. And we want to push our minion a little bit more because this is our familiar. He is a shape changer. He can polymorph. He also has invisibility. And once per day, he can scare where a creature must succeed on a DC 10 wisdom save or be frightened for one minute. This is plus two worthy. Well, let's do like what we did uh, last round. I will give our side of the argument and uh, I think we'll we'll judge from there. How does that sound? You sound very it. confident. Go ahead. <laughs> I think of all of our categories, I think this is probably the one that I'm the most confident in. If this ends up falling flat, I'm going to be real embarrassed. All right. So I mentioned that Bet Sanderson is a College of Glamour bard. I don't know if you're familiar with the College of Glamour bard from uh, Xanathar's oh, yes. Guide to Everything. One of their main abilities is called Enthralling Performance. Whenever you perform for at least a minute, uh, there isn't anything saying that it can't be in combat. But whenever you perform for at least a minute... Ten rounds of combat, you're just playing a fucking guitar. If you're dedicated to your craft, you do what you gotta do. (laughs) Choose up to four humanoids within 60 feet to make a DC 16 wisdom saving throw or become charmed. While charmed, they idolize you, they speak glowingly, and hinder anyone who opposes you. Though they will not be violent unless they are already inclined to fight on your behalf. The effect ends after one hour or when they take damage or witness you attacking one of their allies. So I could, in theory, diffuse a combat in a minute just by making everyone just so amazed at my performance. Now, but that's not all I can do. Mantle of Majesty is another ability that you get once per long rest. You gain the ability to cloak yourself in fey magic that makes others want to serve you. As a bonus action, you cast Command without expending a spell slot, and you take on an appearance of unearthly beauty, not that she needs it, (laughs) for one minute or until your concentration ends. During this time, you can cast Command as a bonus action on each of your turns without expending a spell slot. Here's the kicker. Any creature charmed by you automatically fails its saving throw against the command you cast with this feature. So I could enthrall a group of people, and then every round I could tell one of them, bow. Or I could say, attack. Or I could say... uh, Undress. Ooh, undress. Yep, Jeff, this is a family podcast. (laughs) I don't know if this is a family podcast. It gets Uh, rid of their armor, potentially. (laughs) Ogamir would have no effect on that one. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) She could tell Ogamir, dress. Oh, and, and that's weakness. Here's, here's a great one. <laughs> she could issue the command auto defenestrate, <laughs> which assuming they made a intelligence check to figure out what that means, eh, jump out a window. So she can command people and they automatically fail their save if they are charmed, which she, you know, hopefully has already set up. That's in addition to the spells she can cast such as charm person. 
such as suggestion, such as hold person. Bestow curse is a great one. Shocking grasp, although deals damage, it also stops the target from taking reactions. Ray of sickness gives disadvantage on attacks and checks due to the poison condition. Sleep is a great one. Yeah, sleep is a great spell. Thunder wave is another one. Push people, uh, you know, away from her. And then this is all in addition to the fact that she can have, like we've mentioned, eight zombies surrounding her that could possibly block off part of the combat. Or because of enthralling performance and mantle of majesty, she could have like adoring followers that could again block off part of the the uh, battlefield as well mm-hmm. yeah those those ride or die groupies yeah yes, absolutely. exactly <laughs> so are well, these freaking zombies going to come up in every category i mean define yeah. every category <laughs> <laughs> i like it you guys are definitely worthy of a plus two but garen whisper 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 do it i think you're going to roll for that plus two so take your charisma modifier add it to your roll it is a dc 17 in order to get a plus two I know this is going to get shot down, but I have a suggestion. She knows the cantrip friends. Does she get a advantage to this persuasion? Go ahead and role play this out and, and Garen and I will make a determination. If you don't believe, you better get superstitious. For someone that's supposed to be a, a brilliant performer, I'm not sold. Garen, where are you at? I feel like that was only half a sentence. <laughs> well, whether... Whether that sways you or not, Jeff just made two rolls and both were uh, very bad. <clears throat> not a 17. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. Uh, so you'll take your plus one then. Plus one. All right. All right. Break even. All right. The gloves are coming off. <sighs> so moving into the tankiness category, how well can your Sanders and son take a hit? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to bring something back that, that you, might have, you might have seen coming. You but, might have uh, seen this coming. <laughs> Zombies. <laughs> whole bunch of zombies. A whole bunch of zombies. All the zombies. All the zombies. All the thralls. How many uh, How many HPs do these things have? 20. Is it four? Uh, but the zombies have uh, 22 hit points. Plus. On those bad boys. Plus, uh, because of the school of necromancy. Yeah, the undead thralls, they get increased by equal amount to the wizard level, so an extra six hit points. Yeah. That's actually pretty good. It's a hell of a lot better than our argument. Okay, go ahead. A uh, total of 84 hit points. Not a, you know, not a ton, but better than a full wizard. True. Just, just True. the bard. Bards also have uh, light armor proficiency, so, you know, mm-hmm. AC of 12. Not, nothing crazy. Uh, yeah, how are you going to overcome that AC of 12? I mean, come on. You got to roll. That's like higher than half on a D20. <laughs> come on. Uh, she also has the blur spell, the ma- mirror image spell, both of which can be used uh, in conjunction because mirror image does not need concentration. There you go. Uh, shield, which is a reaction spell that gives her plus five to her AC when a target hits, not just when they attack, but when they hit. Right. So she can reserve yes. that, that spell slot until the hit happens. Vampiric touch. Grim harvest from the necromancer wizard specialty. You get twice the spell level. Uh, if, if a spell kills a target, you get twice the spell level back in hit points. If it is a necromancy spell, you get three times. There you go. Oh, and in the theme of uh, the witch... Uh, Miss Sanderson herself, uh, we gave her a broom of flying in which to get out of melee and just not take damage in the first place. (laughs) Oh, shut up. (laughs) Garen hates it when people cheat. You know, he never, he's he's a guy that likes to play it, play it by the book. But uncommon magic items. Yeah, we're level 12. We better have at least a couple uncommon items by this point. Right at this point. So, you know. Bet Sanderson's kind of a basic bitch, so I don't know if you would have... (laughs) (laughs) fancy for all of this we are being generous Mm -hmm. and we are arguing a plus one yep damn yeah i think so dan i think i think that's a plus one especially looking at what uh, we got here why don't you go ahead and lay that out for him (laughs) well because he's stark naked he has an ac of nine (laughs) 
Whoa. Oh, man. And we'll get into why when we hit the balance category, but he has 108 <laughs> HP. He also has Timeless Body, which uh, allows him to no longer age or suffer the effects of old age. He cannot be magically aged either, but he still dies at the time of old age. So, real pointless. Also, the <laughs> did we mention we have a closet familiar? Because that's the main event. <laughs> has 36 hit points, which is extremely underwhelming now in light of these zombies. That was with a feature that we had to use and adding our wizard level to it. So, it's a small aberration with an AC of 15. But here's the kicker. This is actually kind of cool. So it has resistance to cold, fire, lightning, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical weapons. Has advantage on saving throws against spell and all other magical effects. And this is really cool. While the closet is within 10 feet of its master, the master also shares all of those effects. I would have advantage on saving throws against spells and other magic effects, as well as resistance to cold, fire, lightning, damage, lightning, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical weapons. Mm-hmm. Also, we have relentless endurance, which is the racial trait of the half-orc, which uh, allows you, when you are reduced to zero hit points, but not killed outright, you can drop to one hit point instead, and you can use that once per long rest. I threw in here uh, another spell from the supplement we're using called Conjure Pseudo-Elemental, which allows you to call forth a horrible creature from beyond the stars to do your bidding uh and of course this is another meat shield that you can bring in and these th- these things are kind of no joke so w- with all of this considered i'm arguing a zero hmm. i'm okay with the zero i was actually before before you mentioned that the quasit's abilities extend to the caster when within 10 feet i was <laughs> actually going to say maybe a minus one but hmm. that's nothing to to laugh at yeah that's 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 decent. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'd say a plus zero is, is yeah. appropriate. Gabe, I realized we missed something. We forgot something. Oh, no. What would we do? No take backsies. <laughs> yeah. We, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> as to what this was. All the temporary hit points she can, she can oh, put on. Oh, dang it. Heroism. Inspiring leadership. All right. Yeah. Be honest I don't know, with yourself. I, would it have pushed you into plus two category? I, I don't think it would have pushed us into plus two. I, th- I think yeah, you're, plus it's, one. Yeah. It's still, it's still reliant on the thralls. So, Garen, why don't you tell us how Ogamir helps his friend? Dan, shut up. Before I do that, I want to tell the <laughs> listeners how they can support us. We have a Patreon. Did you know that? Starts at $1, moves all the way up to 20 We have a Discord. You can chat with us, create pop culture characters, bonus episodes, early access to our regular show, and way more. We also have supplements available on DMs Guild for a buck. Search Garen Jones, and you can see all the great stuff that we have to offer. We have ability score shirts for sale that have the maximum and minimum values for each ability score in the box on your chest represent show off how strong you are or how dumb all proceeds go directly to support the show and help us keep growing that's what you guys can do for us but now let me tell you what ogremir can do for his friends i'm sorry what was that (laughs) i don't care (laughs) i don't care ogremir don't care i'm arguing a plus one he has the non-detection spell he has skill empowerment he has stone skin remove curse and he has another fun spell here called flawed reconstruction so this is a first level transmutation and what you do is you stitch together a creature that has been injured that creature regains 4d8 hit points now before you balk at that listen to the rest the mending is imperfect the target bleeds profusely at the start of its turn the target takes an unavoidable and irreducible 1d8 damage A bleeding creature can stop the bleeding by using its action to bandage the wounds. But the creature will be left with permanent scarring from this spell. Interesting. It's definitely a dark little twist on a healing spell, which I definitely appreciate. Yeah, Yeah. sure. So I think they balanced it nicely because it's pretty high healing for a first level spell. But the creature either takes more damage or they have to use their turn also. 
So what do you think of the plus one? Hmm. I think, I mean, that's, that's I think they're not good. impressed. I'm, I'm more trying to think of how, how it compares to ours. I would say, I think maybe you should roll for that, uh, for that plus one. I think, I think that's maybe a little bit closer to plus zero. I'll do the honors here, Garen. Uh, we have a 12 for charisma. So we have a plus one modifier and the DC for a plus one is a 15. Correct, Garen? That's right. I rolled a two. So that's <laughs> yep. really close. Not, so not we'll much take, worse we'll than what, what we rolled on ours. No. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you help your friends? So for Bette Sanderson, I this probably isn't going to be a huge surprise being that she is, is a large amount bard, but I'm going to argue a plus two. So uh, she's got bardic inspiration, of course, which is usable four times per short rest, not per long rest, but per short rest to give an ally a D8 added to any d20 roll. Garen, we're about to get barded to death. <laughs> oh, straight up. She also has the inspiring leadership feat, which if I spend 10 minutes, I can inspire up to six friendly creatures to gain 16 temporary HP. And once again, that is every short rest. I can do that once. And then from the College of Glamour, I get the Mantle of Inspiration ability, which I can give up to four allies 11 temporary hit points, and they can move up to their speed as a reaction without provoking a tax opportunity. And that's at a bonus action using up one of the Bardic Inspirations. Yes. I've got the Heroism spell, which, you know, is just amazing. Gives, again, temporary hit points. It gives you know, bonuses, to whatever. Healing Word is a great healing spell. The only one we have, but I mean, really, do you need that many more healing spells than, than <laughs> Healing Word? Especially when a large amount of your utility comes from <clears throat> zombies, which can provide a buffer against enemies. Tell us more about these zombies. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> also, it's worth noting that I can cast heroism on the zombies. Most healing spells don't work on undead. Mm -hmm. Temporary hit points, however, that, that works fine. And it's a and it's a temporary hit point that is regenerated every turn. Yes. And then another spell that is worth noting is Tiny Hut or Leoman's Tiny Hut, depending yes. on which source we, you're getting it we, from. We're a big fan of Leoman's Tiny Hut in the lab, for sure. <laughs> oh, yes. We've actually used it in-game, and it is quite valuable. My first reading of it, I was like, this is really overpowered. Yeah. But I realizing that the cast, if the caster stands comes out of the bubble at any point, the bubble just disappears? Yeah, yeah. So the caster kind of just has to stand there and, and maintain it. Right. But allies can go in and out of it. They can, you know, if they're wounded, they can duck in there, drink a potion mm -hmm. or whatever, and then hop back out. It doesn't need concentration, I believe. So like you can use that to just get a long rest, you know, if pretty you, much if yeah. you, as long as you got a minute we, or, or 10 minutes to cast it as a ritual, you're just like, eh, I need a rest. Yeah, that's most often what we used it for. Yeah, yeah. just pop up the hut, take a long rest for sure. Yeah. And that's you made a great point, Jeff. It can be cast as a ritual, which means as a wizard, Bet Sanderson can cast it without spending a spell slot or having it prepared or having it prepared. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that that is, is worthy of a plus two. That's mm -hmm. some pretty hefty bonuses there. Yeah, you're a bard. I mean, I'm I, Garen, I'm not going to argue this. <laughs> That's a lot of temporary HP. I actually lost track, but that's over 30. You can, you know, in the right circumstances. That's yeah. great. Right. Now, which please tell us how balanced you are. So strength is a nine. Dex is a 10. Constitution is a 10. We have an 18 in intelligence, a 12 in wisdom, and an 18 in charisma. Mm -hmm. Probably uh, her, her weaknesses involve, uh, like we said, a low strength average dex. Not a ton of utility, but really just about all of those are made up for by... Zombies, zombies, as well as as well as oh. charm minions, as well as charm minions, because so you know when you when you don't need utility spells when you got a bunch of people doing stuff for you, you <laughs> Pretty know. Pretty much. Now for Bernie Sanders, what is the spell save DC and spell attack bonus? Yeah, plus eight spell attack and a sixteen spell DC. Okay. So what do you think you deserve on overall balance? I would say, in in all honesty, I would say probably a plus one. 
Well, and it's an honest build, you know, low strength, low dex, but mm -hmm. uh, charisma where it matters. A witch is obviously very charismatic. I will agree with the plus one, Garen. Yep. Yeah, I can deal with that. Okay, so for uh, Ogamir, I'm going to run through the numbers here. Has a strength of 14, dex of 9, which is a negative 1 modifier, which affects that AC as well as um, <laughs> a bunch the lack of other of things. Armor. But yeah, the initiative is also a negative 1. Constitution of 16, intelligence of 20, wisdom of 10, charisma of 12. Got a passive perception of 14, but here's the kicker. Spell save DC of 17, which is really nice, and mm. spell attack bonus of plus 9. Although we have some of these very nice little features, as we mentioned, AC of 9. This is not an optimized character. Half-orcs have no business being wizards, <laughs> but because he's naked, he's got that low AC, and he's pretty weak when that familiar falls. Um, he's got some really nice utility when that familiar is alive and well, but an AC of 15 with 36 hit points I don't think is really enough as you reach 12th level to sustain you know, the more formidable foes that you'll be facing. <laughs> so I'm thinking a zero here. What do you think, Gabe? Mm, I'm tempted to say a minus one, to be perfectly honest. I mean, you know, that, that low AC is going to, you're going to get hit basically every time. It's sort of made up for by that. Familiar. Familiar, but then again, how many hit points did the familiar have? 36. 36. But he's got all the resistances. That, that's true. true. That's true. Effectively double that mm -hmm. in in most cases. Sure, sure. I will make you a deal here. I'm not talking to Dan about this one. This is just between me and you guys. You roll three spoon attacks against Ogremir. <laughs> if you hit with all three, we'll take the minus one. <laughs> we got to take that. You want to roll, Jeff? <sighs> okay. Is Nine that AC, a, uh... and this is at a minus. Oh, wait, no. This uh, is at, this a, plus... at a, a plus three. Plus three? Yeah, because it's, it's a minus one to strength. Oh, right, because it's not uh, it's not dex. This is a plus, uh, yeah, it's sorry. A plus three. So here we go. That's that's a <clears throat> that's a six. Did you say we had to hit with all three, or did we get to roll that's four? And we yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Got that we'll, zero. We'll take that. You zero. shouldn't have let me roll, Gabe. I... <laughs> If anybody is uh, interested in being a new co-host for a... <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so now moving into the smooth operator scenario, this was submitted by the guys over at Interparty Conflict. Gabe or Jeff, why don't you go ahead and read us this week's scenario? Sure. Uh, so this scenario was, uh, it was submitted by me. You are traveling around your hometown on the day of the Harvest Festival when everyone gives out food and confections to celebrate a bountiful harvest. However, one homeowner insists that before you are given a treat, you must impress them with a trick. What do you do? So let me tell you about this. Ogamir walks up to the door. Obviously, the homeowner is not impressed enough that he's standing there butt naked. <laughs> it's a costume. But he says... He says, okay, I'll show you a trick. He reaches into his backpack, because he wears a backpack still. Sure. And he pulls out his little bag of sand. And he says to the man, after I am done with the trick, I expect you to fill this little bag with all of the treats. And then he takes the sand out in a big fistful, and he sprinkles it over his head. While doing that, he casts feign death on himself, drops right <laughs> on the porch of this guy's house, and lays there motion motionless until the guy either fills his little bag with treats, or closes the door in confusion, plus two. <laughs> but, uh, what? Uh, is that smooth, or is that, okay. uh, is that... Oh, I mean, you look dead. That's uh. about as smooth as it gets for performing a trick. <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, okay. I mean, they check your pulse, do a medicine <clears throat> check, you're dead. <sighs> Maybe they even call 911, they leave their bowl of treats on the floor, you just pick up all the treats, and you run off. 
everybody's distracted when the ambulance comes anyway. Oh, man. I, Nobody's oh, paying attention to the dead guy. I feel like they are reaching with this plus two game. What do you think? I, I kind of feel like yeah, it's more like a plus one. I mean, it's good, he but is, is it? Naked. I feel like there are so many things that can go wrong with this. They might see you drop dead and then just shut the door and lock it. Yeah. Or and they then might call, then call the police. They might call the coroner. The coroner takes you away. Oh, no. Then you get no candy. I just think there's... You there's... mean to tell me the coroner doesn't have a bowl of candy this time of year? <laughs> Fair point, but... In the morgue? I don't it's, know. It's morgue candy. You don't want that morgue <laughs> yeah. candy. All right, uh, that's true. It is a good trick. It is. But, again, a lot of things can go wrong with it. So I, I, feel I, like... I would say plus one. Sure. Fine. All right, Chris Angel, what do you got? <laughs> All right. That's, uh, it's, it's good that you ask because I don't know if you are familiar with Bet Sanderson, the uh, of the Sanderson sisters, but... Very much so. I am very much so, yeah. This is what she would do in this situation. Upon being requested an impressing trick, she would call upon all of the local passersby to gather around, form a crowd around the house. She would cast some prestidigitation to create a little uh, musical introduction. She would then make a performance check with expertise, mind you, to sing the Annie Lennox song, I Put a Spell on You. (laughs) I knew this. While she's singing, she would use her enthralling performance ability and mantle of majesty. She would cause up to four members of the crowd to become charmed by her, including the homeowner. So the homeowner is now her best friend. Of course, the homeowner is going to give her some candy after that wonderful performance. And then also, I might as well mention that because I have the entertainer background, even if I did this away from my hometown, I would be able to have uh, lodging and a performance space of my own whenever I come back through. Because I'm just that good. Sing it right now, you son of a bitch. Sing oh, that no. Song. I should have expected this. Uh, I put a spell on you, you and go. now you're mine. Jeff is a singer. <laughs> it's funny you. because I'm actually the one that's been in choir for many years. Uh, but, uh, Are you in the back of the choir? I'm going to choose not to take that as an insult because I was generally a bass when I was in high school. So, yes, oh, sure. I was always at the back of the choir. Mm. And I'm the tallest. So, of course, I'm in the back. <laughs> but, uh, any, anyway, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I would say a plus two. Absolutely. I mean, Dan, obviously, at this point in the show, anyone listening knows you have not seen this movie. But <laughs> this is spot is this, on. This is Hocus Pocus? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen this movie like six times. You don't know what the hell you're talking. You can't even say her name. <laughs> I've seen this movie a lot. What actress plays this character? Uh, isn't that uh, Sarah Jessica Parker? It's oh, Bette Midler. No. It's in the name, you dumbass. <laughs> isn't Sarah Jessica Parker in the damn thing? She's well, she's in yes. it, but in, in our canon, she died. Yeah, yeah. Sarah, oh, she died. She's yes. the she's the dumb like bim, blonde bimbo type yeah. witch. Yeah, she she plays Sarah Sanderson, the the like the better looking but much dumber uh, sister. Yes, I'm a hundred percent on the same page. I think they deserve a plus two. That's I mean that's smooth. That's great. <laughs> okay, well then, how do they handle it aggressively? Pretty much the same way. Well, a notable difference. A notable difference. Similarly, they would uh, she would sing the song and use the enthralling performance to charm the audience, but rather charm the homeowner. They would use mantle of majesty to command four of the toughest looking townsfolk with uh, with one command word: riot. Uh oh. That's it. You done. You done wreck his house. If they're not given the if they're not given the treat, yeah, yeah, we're we're taking it by force. What are you arguing here? I think a plus two plus sounds two, yeah. sounds pretty fair. Yeah, this is this is all, all right. This all the same stats involved, you know, ex- expertise in performance, entertainer. Exactly. It's this is all double dipping. There was nothing new and sexy about that one. Oh wait, wait. Did you say that the zombies are going to be part of the riot? 
Because that was the only thing I didn't see reused. <laughs> well, we didn't, but now that you mention it, while this is all going on, the zombies can actually be uh, going in through the back door, taking the whole bowl of candy. Sure. Or, or maybe in this case, she's singing Thriller. Oh, you know. Oh, good. dude, oh. I was gonna, I was gonna totally insult the fact that you took my bait on the zombies until you brought Thriller up as a glamour bard. <laughs> if you do Thriller and you have the zombies doing the thing, all right, roll a performance check. Let's do a DC 18. If you nail that performance, you got it. Plus two. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna roll this time. I understand. That's why the DC is 18, Garen. He well, rolled an 18. I rolled an 18. But that is a total of 30. Yeah, you guys are going... <laughs> Bloody brilliant. Thank you. I'm glad we got to it. Okay, so how we would aggressively handle this is I'd say, well, of course. Ogamir would say, of course. Yes, I can show you a trick. I can illuminate the sky and put a special symbol in there. And all if you stare at it long enough, it can actually have some hallucinatory effects. So I cast yellow sign in the sky... And while I create this mysterious symbol, everyone is staring at this homeowner especially. I want this homeowner to really lock in on this. And she or he would go ahead and give me a wisdom saving throw. If they fail that wisdom saving throw, which again is a DC 17, and we all know the homeowner that's like, show me a trick. Not very wise. We know that. <laughs> sure. So she's probably going to fail. She's going to get a splitting headache and be like, oh, doubled over, grabbing her head while she's doing that. And I'm like, what's wrong? I'm going to go ahead and roll a sleight of hand check, grab that bowl of treat, and I'm going <laughs> to then just go. I think it's rather aggressive because she's going to take 66 psychic damage. I imagine this, when you say, we'll talk about the yellow sign, I'm imagining it's like a yellow, like, caution sign or something, <laughs> you know? It's just like a, <laughs> so it's, like a, it's actually like a, a cultist symbol of one of the deities of like a great old one, but we can read skin that bad boy to be anything i can make it a blinking caution sign or you know maybe like a, a demolition sign on, on above her house sure sure slow cthulhu at play <laughs> slow cthulhu at play yeah we'll go with that one i like that one yeah <laughs> so i'm arguing a plus one here yeah i think that 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 yellow sign spell is 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 pretty good and that's a lot of damage yeah, that's a lot of damage to be done to a uh, like. I think they're homeowner. just. I think they're just dead at this point. <laughs> you just, Probably. You have free reign of like even the honestly the neighborhood at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would say the plus one is is good. Well, and I think no. you didn't argue us that because you are keeping score on your side too. <clears throat> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so. Before we get to that score, now we're going to hit our X Factor part of the show. Now, Gabe and Jeff, would you play Bet Sanderson in your campaign? I absolutely would. I yeah. like. I fell in love with this immediately once. Once I once I connected the Glamour Bard school, I was like, I want to play this character. I actually have in the current campaign. I'm playing a uh, Bard Wizard multi class character. I'm almost tempted to change her up a bit just to fit this, but. I've already specialized into something other than necromancy, so I won't go. I won't do that for this character. But yeah, I love this character. I'll say I, I definitely would. When we first were told to, to make a, a Halloween themed character, my first idea at the time I thought this was pretty clever. The more I thought about it, the the less interesting it sounded. My original idea was to make a Michael Myers. And I was like, okay, that's going to be really cool. And I started standing it out and I was like, this is actually really boring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's just a big dude with a knife. I mean, I, I came up with some fun stuff for it. But then Jeff suggested this and I was like, oh my goodness, we got to go with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, this was my fiance's idea. And like she she came up with Dinner, dinner Party Conflict. And at least the title, the title at least. I was originally going to call it Interparty Confit. Which Confit is what, Gabe? It's some sort of, it's like uh, you make, some, it's something you make out of fruit jam or something. I, I don't even know. <laughs> Nobody knows. But yeah, I this just, I thought was such a great idea. I thought this was, this was perfect. Mm-hmm. 
despite the fact that nobody thinks I know what it is, you guys did <laughs> theme it very well. So <laughs> thank, thank you. you. How about you guys? Would you guys want to play Ogamir? I'm always in the dark characters mm-hmm. and bordering on a little bit, questioning their intentions. I'd like to play a, a pseudo natural wizard who's able to have this really versatile familiar that kind of grows with you and it can shape shift and bring out some of the darkest visions of your foes nightmares and stuff like that so a really cool flavor in this supplement but it also one thing we didn't mention and it was because it would hurt our score when, <laughs> when you use that when you use that d6 to increase one of your ability score checks or uh saving throws it actually every turn that you start without that die which only recharges every long rest there is an appendix in this supplement for a mental condition that you suffer for a certain duration they all vary in duration and they all have different effects and they're pretty devastating flaws in there Mm. uh, which i also think is really cool flavor for this wizard that's dealing with some obviously you know dark deities and borders on kind of like a warlock sure yeah be interested to play a naked character that's uh i am not interested at all i like this class but i would never play this guy okay well garen always says that about the characters i make so thank you very much <laughs> ass crack <laughs> yeah it would always be showing oh no yes. yeah drum roll please drum Makeup. roll please I hear it, yes, that's it. And Garen, what is the score of the Halloween Monster Mash showdown in the lab? 10-4, good buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Was it seriously 10? Yeah, you you, you missed a a card in your scoring there. I I saw that. Well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, we got spanked. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, guys, fantastic character. Thank you. Uh, I had to mop the lab floor between categories because Dan was peeing out of fright and due to his incontinence because he's an old dog that's right that's right now gabe and jeff if our listeners want to get more of the two of you and who wouldn't at this point how can they find you or support your show what avenues are you available on we are available on uh, soundcloud Mm -hmm. uh, itunes stitcher google play we love to get uh, submissions for you know questions we also do like we do a magic item we do uh Character death story. Every Char- episode. You know, a character death story. We call that the, the funeral pyre. We call that the we call that the funeral pyre. And so we uh, any any submissions you can email us at uh, interpartyconflict at gmail.com. You can find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. We also have a Discord up right now. You can find the link to that at uh, Reddit and uh, on our um, Facebook page, I believe too. Yep. So just all of those venues. Just type in interparty conflict and see what comes up. Yep. Thank you for being on the show. Listeners, please check out Interparty Conflict. It's a great show. And as you've heard, they got a great back and forth. Good rapport. <laughs> the show is a must have. Now, you. as always, I got a few things, updates from the lab, because we are assuming you fast forwarded through our commercial during Ally Assist. <laughs> DMs Guild, check out our content on there. Everything is a dollar or less. Our Patreon episodes, we have tons of Monster Labs and fight clubs for you we've been doing those since march so for five dollars you can get on all the library and start binging coming up next week we've got another episode that's it for the news <laughs> thank you garen <laughs> pretty great stuff and as always we featured some great works from the DD community this week on our show so please check out the show notes in our episode description for links to the content and if you would like your care your content if you're a creator out there and you want your content featured on our show feel free to shoot us an email over at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com and that about wraps things up for us this week week lab rats 
We would like to thank our guests, Gabe and Jeff from Interparty Conflict. And just remember, when it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been a production of the D&D Character Lab Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. Or shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. Most importantly, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app.